good morning, everybody, and welcome to church. It is so good to have you. We are excited this morning. We're going to be doing something a little bit different. We're going to have a little bit different order of service. So I want to let you know that our missions offering is going to be at the end of service. So if you need to go to the restroom, please feel free to do so now because there won't be another opportunity in the service. My dad just felt like he got a word from the Lord this week that we need to stir up our thankfulness this morning. We need to be thankful. You've heard of Christmas in July? Well, this is Thanksgiving in June, amen? And I'm not talking about fried turkey and mashed potatoes and gravy and cranberry sauce, even though those things are awesome. But rather, Thanksgiving is when we are thankful on purpose. And we thank God for His goodness and His faithfulness that He's poured out on our lives. So that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to sing four powerful worship songs. And my mom and my dad and my sister Hannah are going to get up and they're going to exhort a little and they're going to preach a little before each one so we can sing them out in faith and have faith in our heart and thankfulness in our heart. And as we get started, our first song is, Again, I Say Rejoice. The words to this song come from Philippians 4, 4 through 7. We can put that on the screen. Rejoice in the Lord always. When are we supposed to rejoice? Always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Be anxious for nothing. He mentions that because there's a lot of things in this life that can tempt us to become anxious, to get in fear and to begin to doubt and worry. And all that stuff does is distract us from the goodness of the Lord. We've been preaching about stirring up peace and joy and thankfulness, even in the suffering, even when we're going through difficult times and trials and tribulations. So I want us to do that as we sing this song, I want to encourage you to rejoice in the Lord no matter what season of life you're going through. Whether you're on a mountaintop right now or you're in a valley, we rejoice always. Amen. So let's sing this morning and sing with all that we are. Holy name, 
You may be seated. Thank you, worship team, for that song. That was just so awesome. And we are excited about today's service. I just want to stir up your faith a little bit before we sing the next song. And it's called, Lord, I Give You My Heart. 
And this song is special to Pastor Kevin and I because it's meant so much to us throughout the years. It's an oldie but a goodie. It came out about 25 years ago. Some of you may remember when we were just starting out, the church was just starting out. It was a fairly new song and we sang it quite often. And it began just to be a song that ministered to our hearts because it's a song about surrendering and about consecrating all that we are to the Lord so that we can serve Him with all of our heart. Do you know that's what the Lord requires of us? He requires all of our heart. Jeremiah 29 13 says, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. God says, when you search for me with all your heart, I'm going to be right there to meet you. And you're going to find me there. You know, Jesus said that this was the key to eternal life. When the lawyer had approached Jesus, how do we inherit eternal life? Let's read in Luke 10, 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What's written in the law? What is your reading of it? And he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this, and you will live. He requires all of us, all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. To those of you who are not yet saved, I want you to remember the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. And the angel of the Lord came and stationed Peter at the right place at the right time on that road. And an Ethiopian eunuch was passing by in his chariot, and he was seeking God. He was going to church. He was reading his Bible. And the Lord said, Philip, overtake that chariot. And he climbed up in that chariot with the Ethiopian eunuch, and he was reading from Isaiah. And Philip said, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And Philip began to preach Jesus to him, the word said. And he opened up his heart. And let's read from Acts 8, 36. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And the Lord met him right there because he was willing to give his entire heart, his whole life. To those of us who are saved today and we know the Lord, we all have a tendency to drift from that wholehearted first love of the Lord. Jesus warned of this in Hebrews 3, verse 10. It says, Therefore I was angry with that generation and said, They always go astray in their heart 
and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Beware, brethren. The brethren is the saved today. That's us. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in rebellion. You know, we've lived through some unprecedented times this last year, some weird times during COVID and all that we've been through. Make sure today, if you're a believer, that you've not allowed your heart to become distracted or allowed yourself to drift in any way. Because And make sure you're not treasuring things that are not the Lord. Because the Bible says in Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there's where your heart will be also. Think about it today. Look at your passions, your pursuit, your possessions, your people. And make sure that nothing is first place in your life but the Lord Jesus Christ. And He has your whole heart. As we sing this song today, Lord, I give you my heart. If you don't know him today, while we're singing, just like the Ethiopian eunuch, sing, Lord, I give you my heart. And if you believe with all of your heart, ask the Lord to come into your heart, save you, sign up that baptism sheet and be baptized. Receive him today. If you're saved today, but you found yourself distracted and drifting, come back to the Lord while we sing this song. Give Him your whole heart today as we sing. Let's stand and let's worship the Lord.
Lisa said that was those seasons in my life of it's God tenderizing my heart running to him trying to run away from religion <laughs> trying to experience the reality of this abundant life that Jesus clearly taught us about 
It's not about week to week bouncing up in a church, sitting on a, sitting on a chair, <laughs> really disconnected from the life of Jesus. And I've learned that with my whole heart is the only condition that is necessary for God to move in my life. And as Pastor Lisa said, we all do it. We drift, sometimes within a day, <laughs> certainly within a week. It's not something you do, you know, every year you go to the altar and, you know, and, and you rededicate moment by moment. You keep that heart on the altar. When the lies of the enemy, when things are coming against us, when people around us, when fears within us, the insecurities that we all battle with to some degree, keeping ourselves in that place of keeping our eyes upon Jesus, giving him all that I am. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And I want you to understand that the pure in heart doesn't mean, you know, the little person that does everything right, never makes a mistake. Pure in heart simply means there's nothing competing with my devotion for Jesus. There's, nothing, there's no other option for me. There's nothing, there's nothing else in this life. There's nothing else on this planet. There's no person. There's no possession. There's no pursuit. There's nothing in this world that can give me and do me like Jesus. Amen. And when you're pure in heart and you stay in that place or come back to that place, you begin to see God. And I'm going to tell you why before we sing our next song. You know, last week's message is one of the most important messages that our generation needs to recapture because for the most part it's become lost to us. The message of our being called to suffer for Christ, to share in his suffering. It's not a message that we will embrace, let alone the suffering that we have to deal with that the message points out. We don't embrace, embrace this message of suffering. We are a culture, even within the church, that lives moment by moment, day by day, week by week, really, really just doing what pleases ourselves. And many times in our generation, no matter the revivals that take place, no matter the moments and times when God speaks to our heart, we never really change that. We are so that that we don't even recognize it. Moment by moment, rather than saying, what pleases you in this moment? What will please you? Today is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice, be glad in it, and I will obey you in it. Most of us don't live at that level. But I tell you, we need to. We have to. We have to turn the tide. Some of you are so concerned about the political arena and what's happening, what's happening to the next generation, what's happening to our children. It's not going to change until you and I change and worship God with all of our heart. As a pastor, my desire is that we would learn to understand this vital truth, that we would all learn to embrace in faith these God-appointed times and places where we will be called upon to suffer for Christ for the glory of God. And yet, at the same time, and this is where I'm at today in my heart, I want to be a bookend to last week's message. I don't want us to settle for anything less than all that God has for us. 
I don't want us to surrender to something, to find ourselves surrendering to something that may not be God's will at all, but a strategy from Satan to steal, kill, and destroy all that is good in your life. I said last week that that was going to be the last part to that new beginnings message, and I said, you know what? I got to give the seventh message. The seven is the number of completeness, and I want to give this as a subtitle today, deliverance. Deliverance. There are those mornings that you wake up and all of a sudden God has changed something in your life. There is that moment all of a sudden when all of a sudden the, de- the demons and the devils have fled and that you've wept through the night, but joy comes in the morning. God has done a miracle for you. God has brought deliverance. God has raised your head one more time. And this is what I want to believe for today. How do I know the difference where, where, you know, where I'm suffering and it's God's will in my life and he's trying to teach me something? And how do I know when I need to resist? Because God, this is not God's will and he is wanting to deliver me out of this thing. How do I know the difference? How do we know how to respond to life and its many problems and challenges? How do we respond the way God wants us to respond? One of the greatest illustrations for me that helps me understand this is that occasion when Paul and Silas found themselves in that Philippian jail. And you know that Paul was just obeying God's will for his life. He is going from village to village, town to town, region to region. He is preaching the gospel just like Jesus told him to. And it wasn't easy. There was very many difficult days, very many challenges that Paul was dealing with. And this was no different. As he was going around teaching, there was this girl following them around everywhere they went every day. And they were saying, these men proclaim. These men are from the Most High God. They proclaim the way of salvation. She was saying something really good. But her influence was really bad. It was a demon distracting the message, distracting what God was trying to do. And I don't know why, but Paul went many days letting this young girl do this until the Bible said he became greatly annoyed. (laughs) And he said, enough is enough in his spirit. He said, you know what, i got to deal with this now. It's not going away. i got to get delivered from this. And he turns around and he casts the demon out of the girl. She was a fortune teller, and she made her masters lots of money. She made herself money by telling people's fortune. And I want you to understand that telling fortunes and reading palms and tarot cards and all those kind of things do have some power to them, but they're a demonic power. And when the demon was gone, her ability to tell the future was gone. And I'm telling you, those, her bosses were, were very angry with Paul and Silas as you can imagine. And so they arrested them and they beat them with rods, not sticks, not twigs, rods, and laid upon them many stripes. I can't even imagine such a, such a beating. No mercy in those days, no, 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 no videoing, you know, the, the scene, you know, there's no laud. I mean, just all out beating they took chains on their feet and their arms and thrown in this Philippian jail down there where the sewage ran. We see this verse, and I, 
I'll just be honest with you. I just, I know how I am. I know how you are. We analyze everything in our life. We, 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 we try to categorize things and we go, you know what? Okay, that was God. Let's put it there. That was the devil. Let's put that there. <laughs> that, that was God. That, that's, let's categorize it there. And this, that was me. Let's put that there. But how do you know? What do you do when things start coming at you and you don't know where to put it? And I've been there, and I am there, and you're there, and we're always there. How do you do it? What do you do here? Look at verse 25, but at midnight. I love that, that the Holy Spirit inspired that phrase, but at midnight and the midnight of life. When things are at their darkest, when fears and vain imaginations have power over us like they don't have in the daytime. But at midnight, Paul and Silas, what were they doing? How do you respond to this? They were praying, they were communicating with their heavenly Father, and they were singing hymns to God. That's what I'm doing today in my heart. I'm singing hymns to God. They were singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loosed. I want you to understand that in this story is the key. If we would get a hold of it, Paul and Silas are not praying for relief like we preached last week. They are praying that God would be glorified worlds apart. They are not praying for relief. They are praying that in their situation that God would be glorified. What does it mean to bring glory to God in our lives? You are bringing glory to God when people see your life and it is shouting to them, God is real. That is bringing glory to God in your life. When they see your thankfulness and your praise, it is shouting to them that God is good all the time. When they see your wholehearted obedience and your pursuit of holiness, despite the lure of the world and the temptations of the flesh, it is shouting to them that God is righteous and God is holy. And he is to be honored and feared above all else. When they see your steadfast loyalty and allegiance, even in the midst of pain and suffering, it is shouting to them that he is faithful, he is mighty, and he can be forever trusted in my life. Paul's life was shouting that there is a one true God. Paul's life was shouting that he is good, he is faithful, he is worthy of my trust even when I don't understand him. And the prisoners were listening. They were watching. And the reality, let me tell you something, the chains falling off is not what brought that prisoner, that cell, that jail, that jailer, the jailkeeper, to run in and go, tell me, Tell me what must I do to be saved. It was not because of the great breakthrough per se. It started with how can these men be singing at a time like this?
They were bringing glory to God. Sure, when the chains fell off and the doors opened, that brought glory to God as well. But if the chains never fall off and the prison doors never open, I promise you, Paul and Silas, die praying and singing hymns to God. And only God knows what's going to bring him most glory. What are our lives shouting to people? Mom and dad, as your children are looking at you right now, and the life that you're living, the season you're living in, is your life shouting to your child, God is real, God is good, God is faithful, he is worthy of our trust. What is our co-workers seeing? What are your, what are your fellow church members seeing in your life? As you face difficulties and challenges and trials in your life. Paul was bringing glory to God. John 4, 23, I was thinking about this verse. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. What is truth? Wholeheartedness. Pure in heart. They will worship him in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the fathers seek. They are the kind of worshipers that the Father seeks. I want you to understand that true worshipers seek God, and God seeks true worshipers. Second Chronicles 16:9, for, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. God seeks true worshipers and shows himself strong on their behalf. Paul isn't praising to be delivered. He is delivered because he's praising Paul isn't worshiping to see a true miracle. Paul saw a true miracle because he was a true worshiper. He wasn't giving God thanks because he felt good. He felt good because he was giving God thanks. His faith in God and his heart of worship caused the eyes of the Lord to stop and take notice and cause the Lord to show himself strong on his behalf. Paul embraced in faith the fellowship of Christ's suffering, and so he shared in the power of Christ's resurrection. And that resurrection power literally shook the foundations of that prison so that no door could stay closed and no chain could stay fastened. Paul believed that God was able to deliver him no matter what. It didn't always work out like he wanted. It didn't always work out like he wanted. Come on, rain. I was praying this morning, let it rain. Let it rain. Open the floodgates. Amen. Didn't always, what a great day for this message. <laughs> Didn't always work out. 
That thorn in the flesh that we talked about last week, we don't know if it's a physical problem. We don't know if it's a relational problem, but it caused him so much duress and pain that he said, Jesus, you have got to take this out of my life. And he pleaded with the Lord three times. And you know what the Lord said? No. Sometimes when you want to get delivered out of your pain, the Lord might say, no. And it's okay. Because his grace is sufficient. And whatever you're going through, he knows it's going to be the best for you. And it's going to be the best for him as far as the glory that he receives. Didn't always work out. Sometimes you get a no, sometimes you get a not yet. But whether you get a no or a not yet, your praise cannot stop. Come on, somebody. You got to keep on praising. You got to rejoice in the Lord always. You got to give thanks in everything, not for everything, but in everything, you got to give Him praise. That's when you know you fear the Lord and you honor Him. Paul didn't say, well, you know what? I prayed about that. You know, God don't do miracles. God ain't, God ain't going to help me. God ain't going to deliver me. He never stopped. Paul believed that he was called to overcome in life, that God was going to bring his resurrection power, that God was going to bring deliverance to his life. Three times I was shipwrecked, Paul said. If you've ever read the last few chapters of the book of Acts, it's an amazing story. This journey on this ship, three or four chapters, it goes on and on. The Lord's speaking to him, stay on the ship, you know, cut off the light boats. It's, a, it's an amazing story. Finally, the ship, you know, hit a, hit, 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 hit a ground. And the waves are breaking it apart. It's falling apart. And people are grabbing boards and barrels and whatever they can to make it to the shore. Paul is too. He's not walking on water. He's got to hang on to a plank like everybody else. They get onto the shore. They get onto the beach there. It's cold. It's rainy. The natives there are showing them unusual kindness. Paul, of course, he's going to serve people. He's going to help make the fire. They're gathering wood from all around. They make this fire. And because of the heat, the Bible said, a viper, a snake came out and wept. Fasten on Paul's hand. Anybody like snakes in the building? Anybody dislike snakes in the building? Does it matter if it's a grass snake or a moccasin? Do you like snakes? No. Don't even. It's a king snake. I don't care what snake it is. If it has snake, I don't want it. Amen. It's hanging from his hand. Picture it. It's hanging from his hand. If Paul's like me or you, come on, let's be honest, we would be like, seriously, seriously, I just, I just got out of, and, you, and, and you, could you just please give me a break? Sometimes it feels like we're snake bit. And what we want to happen that's good doesn't happen and the bad happens. And sometimes multiple bad things are happening at one time. 
Let me tell you what Paul did. He didn't sit down on a log somewhere and boo-hoo and cry and get depressed because God let that happen in his life. You know what he did? He went over to the fire. He shook it off into the fire. And it was a deadly viper. And they said, you know what? The sea, he got out of the sea, but justice not going to let him go. He's a murderer. Something's wrong with that guy. And you know what? Now that snake done bit him. But he shook it off in the fire. Acts 28, 5. He shook it off. He shook off the creature into the fire. And he did what? And he suffered no harm. Sometimes you're going to feel the pain of the snake bite. Sometimes you're going to feel the pain of life. Sometimes you're going to feel the foreboding of the prison cell. Sometimes your ankle and your and your arms are going to hurt because of the things that are fastened onto your life. But if you will worship God, God will give you grace in many, many, many times. He's going to deliver you in the way you think. Sometimes he doesn't deliver you in the way you think, but you always get delivered in God's way. Sometimes we feel the pain, pain of the snake bite, but we have been given the power to overcome so that despite the pain, despite the suffering, we will ultimately suffer no harm. Paul's mentality encourages me. It encourages me as I watch his life, as I watch him respond to things, as I listen to his mentality about heavenly things. Look at it in 2 Timothy 4, 17. Prior to this verse, he says, listen to me, at my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. You ever been there? Probably not. Probably felt like it. Paul doesn't exaggerate. Nobody stood with him. Everybody forsook him. But verse 17 says, but the Lord stood with me. Somebody say amen right there. And strengthened me. So that the message might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered. I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion and the Lord. Here it is. What a wonderful testimony. What a wonderful confession. What a wonderful faith and belief. And the Lord will deliver me from every evil work. And the Lord will deliver me from every evil work. Say it with me. And the Lord will deliver me from every evil work. Say it loud in faith. And the Lord will deliver me from every evil work. And preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Listen to 2 Corinthians 1. Paul had bad days just like you. And I'm glad he shared them with us. For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure above strength, so that we despaired even of life. Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. I love NLT. said, in fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learn to rely on God. Just real quick, here's an invitation. Raise your hand if you need to stop relying on yourself and learn how to rely on God. Me too. Who raises the dead. If, he, if I die and he wants me to live, he'll raise me. Verse 10 is what I'm trying to get to though. Listen. Who delivered us from so great a death? 
who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us right now in the present and in whom we trust that he will still deliver us to things I don't even know coming my way. He's my deliverer. Somebody say amen, but what's the key? The key is worship. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, I love the story. You remember how King Nebuchadnezzar made this giant image and the music began to play and everyone was commanded when the the music plays, bow down and worship the image. Just like the music playing in our day to day. Everybody's wanting you to bow down to this and bow down to that and bow down to something man has constructed. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm like Shadrach. I'm not going to bow down. I'm not going to worship what God doesn't want me to worship. Anything that man has constructed, I'm not going to worship that. And so in verse 15, we read, now if you are ready, they called him in. Now, if you are ready at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, psaltery, and symphony with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I made good, we're going to call it done. We're just going to forget it all about it. We're going to play the music. And if you bow down, we're just going to erase everything, and we're going to start again. But if you do not worship... You shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace that he had heated up seven times hotter than it ever was before. And who is the God? Can you see that king and his arrogance and insolence? And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Shadrach. Meshach and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that's the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. Verse 18 (laughs) but if not if we get consumed in that fire I want you to understand that we do not serve your gods nor will we worship the golden image which you have set up for us but if not God is able God will But if he doesn't, in the sovereignty, let it be known, I'm going to still love him. I'm going to still trust him. I'm still going to believe him. And I'm going to perish. But I'm going to perish in faith. And they were thrown into that fiery furnace, sure to Nebuchadnezzar's word. And all of a sudden, Nebuchadnezzar got a weird look on his face. He's looking into the door of that furnace over there. He said, hey, guys, how many did we throw in there? Well, you know, King, we threw three, Shadrach, Meshach, Benigo, one plus one plus one is three. He said, I see four walking around in that fire, and the fourth is like the Son of God. Faith in the fire. Come out here, boys. The Bible said they walked out of that fiery furnace. Not a hair of their hair was singed, and they didn't even... Smell like smoke. Come on, somebody. You know why? Because God delivers the true worshipers. 
God performs miracles for true worshipers. God shows himself strong on those on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to them. Is it any wonder in Philippians 1? See, here's Paul's mentality. Listen to the faith. Listen to the condition. Listen to this. For I know this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ according to my earnest expectation and in hope. This guy, the first time this, this, this word got in my spirit, he was teaching it on television. I was, every day he would come on, he would teach this, this, this verse. But he, he stopped there. And he taught about the, the importance of expectation and hope, the importance of prayer, the importance of the supply of the Spirit and the Holy Spirit doing for us what we can't do for ourselves and all those things. But he didn't keep reading because the modern Christianity don't want to keep reading. But Paul had a buff, but if not here, listen to this. According to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed. I will never be ashamed no matter what the outcome. But with all boldness as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. I am not praying for relief. I am praying that God will be glorified and Christ will be magnified in my life. For to me, to live is Christ, and what? And to die is gain. Psalm 32 through 34 is one of those go-to places in God's Word that always lifts me, encourages me, gets my head screwed on straight, gives me faith in my heart, once again refreshes me. Psalm 32, let me just give you a couple verses from each. You are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. Selah, stop and think and meditate on what was just said. God is surrounding us with songs of deliverance. Is there anybody in the house that can believe that? He is surrounding my life. I feel this way. It looks like that. But I don't know. I'm going to trust God because he promised that he is surrounding me with songs of deliverance. Verse 10, many sorrows come to the wicked, but unfailing love surrounds those who trust the Lord. So rejoice in the Lord and be glad, all you who obey him. Shout for joy, all you whose hearts are pure, because you're going to see God. Psalm 33, the Lord looks from heaven. He sees all the sons of men. From the place of his dwelling, he looks on all the inhabitants of the earth. He looks on you. He looks on me. He sees all the sons of men. He fashions their hearts individually. He knows you inside and out. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. He considers all their works. He knows everything you do. No king is saved by the multitude of an army. And a mighty man, I know you're mighty. I know you think you're, and and you're smart. I got it. But a mighty man is not delivered by great strength. A horse is a vain hope for safety. In our day, an army, a weapon, a guard dog, a whatever, is a vain hope for safety. Neither shall it deliver any by its great strength. 
Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his mercy to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. God didn't say you wasn't going to feel the pain of a famine. What he did say, he's going to be with you and deliver you despite the famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield, for our heart shall rejoice in him because we have trusted in his holy name. Let your mercy, O Lord, be upon us just as we hope in you. Team, come on up. We're going to sing a song called Psalm 34. It's one of my favorite songs. And if you could, there, there in, the, in the title of Psalm 34, David wrote this following that that moment in time when he had been running from Saul for so much time, months and years, and though he was the, the anointed king, it was such an unjust situation. At some point, he found himself fighting for the en- enemy, the Philistines, in among their camp. One day, they had a meeting of the lords of the Philistines, and they're all gathered together. There's the king, there's the lords, there's David, who has now found himself in the, in the camp of the enemy. And one of the lords says, you know what, let me tell you, this is the, this is the guy. This is the guy that took down Goliath. This is the guy that they sing, you know, Saul has killed his hundreds, and David's killed his thousands. This is not wise. This guy is going to turn against us in battle. He's going, to, he's going to fight for our enemy, and we're going to be taken out by this guy. And when David realized the gig was up and he was in trouble, he did the opposite of what we're talking today. He did the opposite of what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he did the opposite of what Paul taught us in the New Testament. And he started to try to save himself and get a plan together to get out of this situation. And he acted like he was a, a, a wild man, that he'd lost his mind. Can you see him? King David acting so dishonorably, twisting his body, spinning on his beard, talking out of his head acting like a madman to save and preserve his life. The king says, get him out of here. i got enough crazies around here. Get him out of here. David got booted out. This is my belief that as he's walking home, or maybe he went back in his cave and he had time to get along with God, Psalm 34 is a psalm written. It's about repentance. It's David repenting. It's David reminding himself. It's David saying, what, am I, what was I doing? I was trying to save me from suffering. I was trying to save my life, and here I've lost it. I feel horrible. And so David, in a declaration of faith, writes Psalm 34, and he said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be upon my lips. I will never do that again. I don't care if I'm facing death. I am not going to get silent to God's goodness and who I belong to. I'm going to trust God. If I live, I live. If I die, I die. The humble shall, 
My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Make him bigger than what you've seen him to be. Make him grand. Make him the God. See him as the God that he is in our limited capacity. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me. Next time when I get so afraid, I'm going to pray and I'm going to seek God and I'm going to let him deliver me from my fears rather than responding to my fears. They looked to him and were radiant. Their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him. Can anybody believe it today? And the angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and does what? That was weak. And does what? And delivers them. I'm just crazy enough to believe there's angels assigned to my life. Assigned to your life, assigned to your babies, assigned to everyone who loves God and fears God. And they are there to deliver me. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blesses the man who trusts in him. Fifteen, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. Can you believe it today? The righteous cry out and the Lord hears Anybody got any ounce of faith stirring? Read it with me. And delivers them out of all their troubles. Am I going to have troubles? Yes. But God is going to deliver me from everyone in a way that brings glory to him. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart. There's been times I said, Pastor Lisa, I call her Bay, Bay, like a sheep. I just think my heart's broken. No, really, I think my heart's broken. We've had days like that. I'm willing, whatever God needs to do in my life, whatever, I'm just, I don't know if I've done wrong, if I've not done wrong, is it the enemy, is it, what is all this? You've been there. And in that moment, God seems a million miles away. But what does the Bible promise us? The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and save such as have a contrite spirit. Many, the Bible doesn't lie, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Let's stand on that phrase. Psalm 34, 19. Modern church, here we are, 2021 America. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Say it together. Renew your mind. Let's say it now. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Say it again. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Keep reading. But the Lord delivers him out of them all. Come on, guys. Lead us. After that, my precious baby girls will come up. Every day. 
look on me Ah, will never be Never be this poor man cried, and the Lord heard me and saved me from my enemies. The Son of God surrounds his Yeah. 
come on, lift him up. Come exalt his name together. Glorify the Lord with me. Come exalt his name forever. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is to sing one of my all-time favorite songs, Waymaker, and I just wanted to say that no matter what you're going through today, we still serve a miracle-working God, amen? You know, like the story Dad said earlier about Paul right now, you know, you might be in prison, you might be in chains, you might be going through a trial, but no matter what, as Christians, we are called to be prisoners of hope. And you might say, how in the world am I supposed to stir up hope and faith right now? But it's by meditating on the promises of God. And you take authority over the enemy when you pray God's promises over your life. And you know, sometimes we need to pray like this. God, I don't know why I'm in this prison right now, but your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. And God, your ways are higher than my ways. Lord, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this, but God, your word says that no one who puts their hope in you will ever be put to shame. God, I don't know what you have planned for me, Lord, but I know that you can deliver me from this. But if not, you are still good and you are still faithful and I trust you because you have never failed me. And when we pray like that, we stir up faith and we stir up hope. You know, it's not enough to just hear Pastor Kevin read some scriptures on Sunday morning or youth pastor Justin just hearing those scriptures, but you have to take those scriptures and you have to make them personal. You have to proclaim them over your life. You know, one time I was going through a really difficult season and I just read through the book of Psalms and every time it said the word me or my, I just underlined that and I would just pray those things and proclaim them over my life. And I would say things like, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all of my fears. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. He heals my diseases. He fills my life with good things. And when you pray those things and you proclaim them and you make them personal, that's when you realize this isn't just a book. This isn't just words in a book. It's alive and it's powerful. And it's God's promise to me. He, when he wrote this, he had me in mind. And you know, a lot of people think that my family is perfect and they have this weird perception that we don't go through things. But 
You know, we're always going through some kind of trial and it seems like someone in our family is always battling some kind of physical illness, you know, whether that's a grandparent with cancer. Many of you know my testimony of just battling some autoimmune issues for the past couple of years. Y'all know Caleb, he's had hip problems like an 80-year-old man since he was 12 and Josh is forever getting in these freak accidents. In fact, even last week we were painting my parents' house and Josh just fell off a ladder. <laughs> and, and, you know, personally I think that he's just trying to get out of work, but, you know, that's just me. But a few months ago when our precious little Luke was born, uh, he was in the NICU for about 10 days and there was just some uncertainties there. We didn't really know what was going on. And one day my dad came to me and he printed out a piece of paper of verses of healing and uh, he gave a copy to me and my mom and he was like you know what I'm tired of this we're gonna start warring against the spirit of sickness that's coming against our family you know this is just a simple little list of verses but I know that so many of us in this room we need a breakthrough in our lives whether that's a physical need or a spiritual need and so we're gonna email that out to you to where if you want to pray that over you and your family but I'm going to read some of those verses today, and I just want us to stand as we just meditate on who Jesus is and that he has the power to deliver us. So Matthew 8, 2 says, And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you were willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand, and he touched him and said, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Matthew 9, 27 said, When Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed him, crying out, saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. And when they had come into the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? And they said, Yes, Lord. And he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, let it be to you. And their eyes were opened. Matthew 15 30 then great multitudes came to him having with them the lame blind mute maimed and many others and they laid them at the feet of Jesus and he healed them so the multitude marveled when they saw the mute speaking the maimed made whole the lame walk and the blind sing and they glorified the God of Israel and Mark eleven twenty two. So Jesus answered him and said, Have faith in God, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says this mountain be removed and cast in the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you will receive them and you will have them. Our God is still a way maker. He is still a miracle worker. And even though right now you may not feel it, but God is always fighting for us. And he is always working. So let's sing this song with faith and proclaim the promises of God over our lives. worship you. You are here, 
Let's stop letting the Lord speak to us and forgetting, forgetting it by tomorrow morning. Let's live it tomorrow. Let's live it Wednesday. Let's live it Friday when you get the bad report. Let's, let's live it next weekend. Let's come to church ready to worship and praise God. Don't stay home because you had a bad day on Friday. What do I do with all that? Just worship. That's your assignment. Just worship. Give God thanks for all the good. All the good. I'm not just saying this because I'm supposed to say things like this. But for all these years, all the things that we've went through, and really they're nothing compared to so many saints of God, God has delivered me from out of them all. I'm so glad I never stopped trusting God, quitting on, I didn't quit on God. I kept worshiping even through the heartache and the pain, even through the confusion. God, there's nowhere else to go. I'm so glad I kept my faith in Jesus. Amen. Please don't give up. Don't turn around. Don't go back. Put your hand on the plow and never look back. Yesterday at noon, I said, guys, I just feel like y'all need to help me tomorrow morning. Yesterday at noon, I said, baby, I need you to this. And Hannah, look, this, I, I, I would like you to, I'm so, happy, I'm so proud that they were, they, they were in agreement to do that. Amen. Hannah, that was so powerful. Bless you. If I'd have had another day, Katie would have had a little behind up here too. He's a man of faith as well, strong man of faith, maybe more than all of us. But God's been good. I'm going to ask my precious wife to come up. Today is our 34, 34th wedding anniversary. And baby, you are getting better looking by the year, girl. And I love you. got a couple of announcements for you. Y'all can be seated. It's just going to be a minute. Just, I want to echo. I'm so proud of Hannah. I just want to say as her mother today that she loves God with all of her heart. And many of you will never know. Some of you know her testimony, but many of us would have quit and given up, but her faith in the Lord is strong and she loves Jesus and I am so so proud of her such a blessing all of our children all of our daughters-in-laws and our grandchildren and our family I'm so thankful to the Lord for them as we concentrate on loving God and loving our neighbor like we talked about today with all of our heart it opens up and creates an atmosphere for God to do the miraculous and for God to do the impossible as we love God and as we love one another. So this week, we're going to focus on loving one another on purpose and fellowshipping with one another. And so this Thursday night, our chosen young adult group, ages 18 to 29, will meet upstairs in the cafe 
for a game night. And they're looking forward to this. If you're a part of that age group, young adults, 18 to 29, this Thursday night, 6 o'clock, be here in the cafe for game night. It's going to be a great time. And then as our small groups begin to meet this coming up week throughout the month over the next several weeks for June, we won't be sending out a small group blessing from the church. We're encouraging you to get together and to fellowship and to love one another on purpose. No pressure. If you've just fellowshiped as a group, you can do your own thing, but we just want to encourage you who are interested in that to just love on one another on purpose and fellowship and 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 grow in our relationships with one another. Our cafe, we're working toward opening that soon. And if you would like to serve the body of Christ by being a cafe worker, there's a sign-up sheet out there for you. Don't get nervous. You don't have to know how to make lattes or smoothies. We need people that'll just put out pastries and wash dishes so you can be a part no matter what your skill level. And that will help us serve the body. Make sure that you sign up for that today. And then Vacation Bible School coming up June 28th through July the 1st, 9 to 1130. And we are believing God to do a great work amongst our children. And so we ask you help us today, number one, by getting them registered as quickly as possible so we'll know how many to prepare for. Today as you leave, go over the KC building and sign them up for VBS. If you want to do so online, you can. Begin inviting your friends and neighbors and getting them signed up so that we can prepare. Also, our volunteer sheets as we go out today, sign those sheets. Of course, we don't want you to commit to something you can't fulfill, but hang around, check your schedule, check with your spouse, and let's get those things signed up so that we can love and serve one another. As we go out the doors today, there's going to be ushers stationed at each door. That will be our missions offering as you give. It'll be toward the expense of Vacation Bible School. And Haiti, this is the last Sunday for the shoe drive, but if you, because of the rain, didn't get to get them in today, you can drop them off at the office throughout the entire week. Well, it was good to be in the house of the Lord today. We want to go out rejoicing and filled with faith. Let's stand, and y'all give us a good part of Waymaker as we go out. You are dismissed. Stop, you never stop working Even when I don't see it, you're working